Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord is with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was that she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I was lifted, that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. May God bless the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy word. You may be seated. Let's pray. You may standing. I'm sorry. I hate to do this to you. We're going to get a little exercise this morning. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Dear God, we thank you so much for the privilege, Lord, of being here in your presence to hear your word this morning. God, we confess, Lord, that we are a needy people. Father, we know how strong temptation, sexual temptation is in our culture today. And God, you have called us to be a people set apart in a very dark place. And so, Father, we know that with your help, by your grace and your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we can live lives free and pure. But we need your help, Lord. And so, Lord, as I speak this morning, I'm reminded that I am very limited in my capacity to do anything. 
except to surrender to your Holy Spirit that you might work through me. So use me. Speak to these people, Lord. Give them what they need. Give us what we need so that we can live lives that will honor you in this area of sexual temptation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in his presence. We began a series last week talking about sexual temptation. Uh, we talked about last week how that the Satan, and we kind of exposed his schemes and how he works overtime to try and to tempt us to go outside of the will of God. And when you're doing a series on temptation, it's very difficult to do a series on temptation and not talk about sexuality. Amen? We live in a culture today that is permeated with sexual immorality. It's becoming more and more difficult for people, particularly the people of God even, um, to live lives the way that God wants us to live them in this culture. You remember Jesus said it this way. He says, we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. So what that simply means is that we're not supposed to conform to the world's way of doing things. That no matter what we see on the outside, we get our marching orders from Jesus Christ. Amen. And he has given us specific uh, ways and uh, he has given us of his word and how he expects us to live in a crooked and perverse generation. So no matter what man say about sexuality, it is not man's idea. It was created by God. Amen. And God is the author of sexuality. And sex is beautiful and it is maximized when it's in the context of marriage. And I know today, and I'm saying something today that will rub people the wrong way. And sad to say that even I'm beginning to understand that even some of God's people are confused about the issue. But God's word is very clear about sexuality. Amen. God has not stumbled. He has not left us to try to wonder and figure it out or left us clueless. But he's given us this book for our own good. And when we don't or when we decide that we know better than to do it the way that he wants us to do it, there is trouble on the horizon. Trouble. You know that many great men and women have fallen prey to sexuality, sexual immorality. I can think of folks in the Bible. David, who was a great man of God. You know David, who committed adultery with Bathsheba, committed murder, trying to cover it up. And we'll allude, we'll allude to him a little bit later, but but he was a man of God that gave way to his flesh and disobeyed God, and he paid a heavy price for it. Samson, Samson, the story of Samson is found in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, a mighty man of God who was given incredible strength, but he gave up his strength for the delight of women. Do you remember Solomon, right? Bible says Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. And, and it's a sad story, but when you read toward the end of Solomon's life, that the Bible says, but Solomon loved many women. And these women caused his heart to drift away from God. How many you know that sex is a very, very powerful thing? Amen. It's powerful. It's okay to say that in church. Because what our goal is, is to not, here's the thing. I don't want to, I don't, I want to get out of this thing of 
we don't want to be people to just come to church, raise our hands and praise God and go home when we're still struggling with addictions. Amen. You follow what I'm saying? It's not about just coming to church. I'm doing good, everything's going great, and yet you're sitting at home and you're struggling with this issue of temptation and you're being defeated. Young people, you better listen up. You who are single, and the devil is after you. And, and you got to understand this. Your destiny and your purpose is tied to how you handle yourself. The Bible says in, in 1 Thessalonians that we are to possess our bodies in sanctification and in honor. Honor meaning doing things the way God wants us to do it. How many know that whenever, part of what the enemy does when he tempts us, he wants to tempt us. He tells us that this is good for you. This will satisfy you. And how many of you, 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 know, you can raise your hand if you want to, but how many of you would say that it may be, of course, in the past, because you live holy right now, right? Amen. How many of you would say that in the past <laughs> that you took the bait, and, but you realized that after you took the bait that you were gravely disappointed. It wasn't what you thought it was. He's, I mean, no, he's given this, this book for a reason. Right. And it contains the way of life. The way that we live. And if we live according to this thing, God will bless us. Amen. you got to believe that. He will bless you. And, and, and I know the challenges and I know the images. I see them too. We live in a very crooked and perverse generation. And I know it's hard to be sexually pure. I understand that. But it is no excuse not to follow through with what God said in his word. I don't care what the government say. I don't care what your bosses say. I don't care what people say that you happen to love. If they tell you that it is okay to sleep around, do what you want to do, give in to sexual temptation, then they're telling you wrong. They are in error, and you need to stand up. I know the people of God need to stand up and say, no, we're the pillar and ground of the truth. The Bible declares that we are the righteousness in God, in Christ Jesus. That ought to mean something. It ought to mean something. If the church, and the church is struggling with this issue. I've been doing church for a long time. I know what I'm talking about. The church is confused. We're sitting back and we're trying to figure out, well, you know what? Well, well maybe God has changed his mind. Or, or maybe the book is just outdated. How I many of you have heard that? Somebody the other day was attacking the book. Well, you know, and somebody, my wife told me, somebody that she knows, a well-known teacher in the area. My wife said she posted something on Facebook and she just said, and she just, just lambasted the Bible. Said, said, it's okay for people to have certain lifestyles and be immoral, you know, and why are people listening to some stupid book that was written by a bunch of men? This is what you're up against. You better know what you're doing because this book is God-breathed. They've been trying to undermine this for centuries and for years, and they can't do it because the Bible is clear. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word. It's going to be here. So people can do what they want. They can say what they want. They can act as crazy as they want. But understand something. This book will outlive you. It's going to outlive the traditions of men. Because the government will be upon his shoulders. And Jesus is king. And he sets the rules. There will be no democracy in heaven. You got to understand that. It's a theocracy. He's in charge. 
He sets the rules. Now, if you want to be in charge, you need to develop your own kingdom and create your own heaven and earth. When you can do that, then you can have a conversation with God. Until then, shut your mouth and say, Lord, I'm here to obey what you say. Now, it's hard to understand, or I would say, I wouldn't say hard, but in order to understand sexuality and understand the temptation that we all are confronted with, you got to understand your flesh. You all, all of us who, are, who know Jesus, we've been saved by his grace. And to those who are believers, the Bible says that we are sealed until the day of redemption. He comes and he abides inside of us. He gives us his Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is incredibly important. We're going to be doing a series on the Holy Spirit that's going to change a lot of things. It's going to, it's going to open up some things. So y'all need to stay tuned because I'm studying for that. But the Holy Spirit comes to empower us to live right, right? God, he, he puts his Holy Spirit in us. And the Bible says, now those who are led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So the people of God are not led by their flesh. You get saved, but you need to understand your flesh your flesh is still jacked up. You still fight temptation. You still have, your flesh still wants what it wants. Amen? Amen. I mean, your flesh, let's be honest. Let's, can we talk about it in church? Amen. I'm going to talk about it in church because we are not going to watch the people of God get beat up and get defeated in this area and, and, and just be silent and act and just stay in our little confines and say hallelujah and then walk out of here and be defeated. I mean, come on, it's more than that. It's not about that. It's, it's, it's much more. This book is life. It'll change you. Amen. He come to conform you. The Bible says Jesus was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's right. So you're supposed to be reigning over some stuff. Amen. Amen. But you got to understand your flesh. Your flesh is dirty, it's ugly, and, and, and that part of you ain't, de- ain't redeemed. They said, Pastor, well, you know, how many of you had some temptations this morning? You had to battle with your flesh, some things your flesh wanted to do. And you knew that God says no. Whether it's angry at somebody, you're getting mad, or you want to go off, whatever the case might be. Illegal desire. Your flesh is corrupt. People tell me all the time, well, Pastor, I can't help it. I'm tempted. I, 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 you know, God just gave me, but wait, 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 wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Don't talk about, you know, he, he gave you, Christian, his spirit so that you can overcome. Right. And so when people tell me, for an example, well, you know what? I'm just like this because of, you know, uh, I, I'm just made this way. And, you know, my, my simple answer is what? That's why Jesus said you must be born again Amen. because you're born corrupt. You're born with a disposition towards sin. Bo- you, you ever notice how natural it is, it feels? And when people tell you it's not, oh, it's natural because it's corrupt. It's perverted. Your flesh is perverted. Yes, it is. Some of you are like looking at me like you don't believe me. Can we go to the Word, shall we? Amen. I want you to write down a couple of verses. And I want you to set them. We don't have time to go over them before we get into the life of Joseph here. But it says, the first thing is, in Romans 8, verses 12 through 14, now you can just write these down. So therefore, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, that means your own sinful nature, you will die. Okay, you understand that, right? That's Bible. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. For as many as led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
Galatians 5, 19 through 21. But pastor, I'm not really sure what the flesh is. Now, here we go. I say then, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit. How do you know what I'm talking about? Let's be honest. Amen. You know what to do, but your flesh is pulling you like, come here, come here, and you're struggling. You see that person walking down the street, and you're struggling. You feel this pull. Am I the only one in here? No. no. I, know, I, I know, be honest. Because you have to beat that thing down all the time. Your flesh, you have to beat it down. Because it wants to override what God says. He said, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, there we go again, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, watch this, adultery. Does anybody know what that is? Do you need me to explain that? Say no, pastor. Okay. Fornication. Do you need me to explain that? Fornication is sex outside of marriage. Any sex outside of marriage is fornication. It is sin. It is wrong. You have to come to that conclusion. How many know you got to agree with God? Amen. Are you tracking with me? Not but what the world say. I know what the world say. It's okay. No, God's word says it's wrong. It's a work of the flesh. And the people of God ought not to be led by the flesh. Uh, I ain't getting a whole lot of amens, but I'm going to keep on going. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, and lewdness, sexual perversion, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, ambitions dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilers, and the like, which means there are a whole lot more he didn't even mention. Of which I tell you before, just as I told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. How I many know that need to be a fear? Not this kind. Of, see, when you realize that you're accountable to God, and we're going to look at Joseph in a second. I love this brother. But you got to understand, when you are accountable to God for what you do. See, Christians do not make it a habit of practicing sin. I say Christians do not practice sin sanctified Christians who've been filled with God's spirit, you do not practice sexual immorality. It ought not be named among you. The Bible said, let him who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. How do we know if CNN came here today, they'd be ready to shut me down. And they'd be ready to shut you down too. Romans 7, 14. Through 18. I just want you to write these down. I didn't give them to the media person because I just wanted you to write them down. For I know that in me, this is Paul talking. How many know the Apostle Paul was a mighty man of God? Apostle Paul said, this is, what, this is what Paul said. Paul said, for I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, mm, 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 nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Paul was saying, in other words, when I will to do good, there's an evil presence that's trying to pull me in the opposite direction. So you gotta, you gotta come to grips with your flesh and say, well, I know in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And the reason why we say this, so that you won't get all tripped up or get all, all whacked out because your flesh still have these desires. But unlike what they tell you today, you're supposed to suppress those desires and be filled with the Spirit. Well, it's not, don't, you can't suppress. How many know that if you don't, 
can you imagine a society that don't suppress unrighteousness? What it would look like? Think about it. If you just did whatever came to your mind, y'all think about your mind. Think about, think about it, think about. Oh my goodness. Oh, just think about that. Your flesh is messed up. We just we want to make sure that you understand that. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.11, he said, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners. How many know you're a sojourner? You're temporary here. This is not your permanent residence. Heaven is your home. You are an ambassador for Christ. Amen. Stop living like this is it for you. This ain't it for you. You're passing through. You got a message. You're an ambassador. Ambassadors represent the interests of another country. Am I right about it? You represent the interests of the kingdom of God. Don't ever forget that. It's not popular. You're going to risk persecution, but it is who you are. And you got to be comfortable with that. You got to be willing to stand in the gap. Do I got any folks here today that saying, Pastor, I'm willing to stand in the gap? Huh? He said, I beg you. This is Peter begging. I mean, no, he said he's he, he begging. He's serious. Abstain from fleshly lust. This is 1 Peter 2.11, which war against the soul. Abstain. You know what abstain means? <laughs> Stay away. Stay away. Now, now, Joseph, let's look at Joseph's life. Well, I got one more verse before we get into Joseph. I, I want to give you a little bit of inspiration because I believe that, can I, let me say this. I believe that in, in many cases that we give in to temptation because, number one, there's a, there's a, there's a fear of God. There's a, a lack of fear of God. Because society says today that you can have your cake and eat it too because that's the kind of salvation that people are promoting today, which is not biblical salvation, by the way. Amen. Biblical salvation results in a changed life. Can you say amen? amen? Don't tell me you got saved and you ain't been changed. I said, don't tell me that, Pastor, I'm saved, but you still live in the same way before you came in. It's more than just the intellectual knowledge of God. That doesn't save you. The Bible said the devils believe, and they are scared to death. So it's more than just a head knowledge, intellectualism, that says, well, I know Jesus died for my sins. And I... No, no, no. But have you submitted your life to that? To those who received him, to them he gave power to become sons and daughters of God. Yeah. Am I right about it? Yeah. Now, watch this. Hebrews 13.4. Go there real quick. I'm going to give you a little bit of inspiration to keep you and help you out a little bit. How many know we want to help you out? Amen. The word of God is good. How many love his word? Amen. You say, Pastor, I'm excited. You excited? Amen. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13. Four. And it reads, watch this. Marriage is honorable among all. Now, the reason why we have to say that, the word of God says that because he's sending us a message. He's talking about sexual immorality outside of marriage. He's talking about folks that are tempted, and we all are tempted, to go outside the parameters that God says. So he says marriage is honorable in all. He's talking about sexuality. Marriage. How many say marriage? Say marriage. marriage. It's honorable, honorable among all. But watch this. This is one you might not want to say. And the bed is undefiled. So if you want to have sex God's way, how do you do it? Marriage. marriage. What do you tell your kids? 
I said, what do you tell your kids? If they said, Daddy, Mommy, I'm burning it with lust. I mean, is it that hard? I mean, really, is it that hard nowadays? Because, you know, parents, this baby boomer generation, they're scared to say, they let kids tell them what to do. So marriage is honorable among all, and the bed is undefiled. Oh, but that's good. So that means if in the context of the marriage, I'm good. That's the way God intended sex. And it's the best sex, trust me. I know what I'm talking about. Amen. Me and my wife have great sex, the best sex ever. Amen. And some of you are like, Pastor, you shouldn't say that. Why not? You do it. That's why you're here for those who are married. Amen. It's okay. Great sex. Love it. The best ever. I'm, listen, on the other side, it's, it's a joke. It smokes and mirrors any other way. It's not single people. It's not. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go down that road. And here's a little inspiration for you. But fornicators and adulterers, God will what? Judge. All right. How many know that you cannot, you can't, you can't, you, you cannot disobey God's word and not expect judgment? Okay, I've been married to my wife for 21 plus years. I don't have, to, look, I don't have to worry about sexual diseases. I ain't never thought about it. You know why? Because I'm inside of God's, I'm inside of God's will. But boy, if you start playing outside of God's will, then you got all kind of issues. Yeah. You're trying to hide, if you're married, you're trying to hide stuff. You're sneaking around. You're being sneaky. You can't be. And then not only that, but think about the emotional problems and damages that people have. See, this is all part of the judgment of God. You, you don't do what God says. Then the judgment is AIDS. The judgment is herpes. The judgment is gonorrhea. The judgment is emotional and physical pain. I know you don't want to hear it, but I'm telling you the truth. You got it. If you love your kids, parents, you'll tell them this. God called you to be a parent. God didn't call you to bow down to, the, to, to what the world wants. God called you to lead the way he wants. The Bible said concerning Abraham. I wish I could have pulled that scripture up. The Lord, the, Lord, the Lord said concerning Abraham. He said, I know I can trust Abraham because he will command his household after me. Abraham was a strong man of God. He's a father of our faith. Because Abraham said, you know, my whole house. Joshua, Joshua said this, as for me and my house. Uh huh. See, we need to have that attitude. As you, in my house, this is what we do. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Like it, love it, lump it, leave it. Amen. It is what it is. And that's what I preach. Well, I don't care what they don't do. I'm going to preach. I want to go on record. Y'all know I preach. I preach to my kid. I tell them the truth. If they act crazy, it's on them. And you have the authority to go upside their heads in love. When they walk outside of the will of God. <laughs> Some of y'all like really upset now. Like, okay, I'm ready to leave. Okay, watch. So here comes Joseph, right? We only got a few minutes. Watch, Joseph. Mighty man of God. Understand something about Joseph. Joseph was a man that experienced rejection. He was a young man who had a vision in his teenage years. How many know young people, you can have vision and dreams? Young people, you can have dreams. God put visions and dreams in your heart. God put visions and dreams. You must realize that God wants to use you young people. 
the next generation. What you have to offer is very important. So Joseph, the problem with Joseph is that, that he thought that he could trust some people with his dream. You can't trust everybody. You know, everybody don't have your best interests at heart. Amen. You can't go tell everybody what God's putting in your heart because everybody can't handle it. Or some people just get mad at you, get jealous. Because, you know, when God gets ready to bless you, I mean, God can bless you in incredible ways and it just make people upset. Because people got their own issues. <laughs> uh, so, so Joseph, anointed man of God, and his own brothers, his own families, they get mad at him because God gave him a dream. And in his dream, Joseph saw these sheaves. And, and, and he says that in the dream, I saw, I saw uh, all these sheaves. And then my, all of you all, my brothers, y'all had sheaves, but my sheaves stood above all of y'all, and y'all bowed to my sheep. And he said, oh, yeah, and I had this, the sun and the moon. He said, I had another dream that the 11 stars and the sun and the moon, mom and dad, all of y'all ended up bowing down to me. And they, and they got mad. I said, wait, 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 wait. Who, 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 who do you think you are? Young kid. So we're supposed to bow down to you? Really? In anger and jealousy and in a rage, they throw their brother, Joseph, in a pit. Throw him in a dirty hole. And would have left them there for dead until they saw an opportunity they can make money off of him. And they ended up selling him into Egypt, taken away from his family, taken away from his father. His own brothers rejected him and, 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 and treated him as dead, never came back for him again. It's like, goodbye, brother Joseph. Now, if there's anybody that had a reason not to forgive somebody, I mean, it would be Joseph. If anybody who really want to get mad and say, Lord God, I'm going to give in to this temptation because God, you let me go through all of this. And, and, and you know, sometimes we give in to temptation, particularly when we are not happy with what God is doing in our life. Okay, let me put it to you another way. Sometimes we, are, we, we get tempted and we give in to the temptation because maybe we've been praying for something, we've been believing God for something, and it has not happened. And so in, 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 in somewhat of, a, of an act of rage or disobedience, we succumb to the temptation because, after all, God didn't move for me. It didn't work for me. I tried that. It don't work. Joseph wasn't like that, was he? Joseph went through all that, so you would think that Joseph would be a man that is mad at God. Because God, how, did, how, did, how could this happen to me? Let's look at Joseph's attitude. We can learn a couple things about his character. It says that the first thing you got to understand about Joseph is that Joseph was blessed. He ends up being sold into Potiphar's house. Potiphar was the captain of the guard to Pharaoh. God blessed Joseph, and that Potiphar saw the anointing of God on his life. You know what Potiphar did? Potiphar said, Joseph, you're going to be in charge of everything in my house. The only thing Potiphar had to worry about was what he was going to eat for dinner. Joseph took care of everything because God was with him. I mean, when God is with you, he is with you, you're going to make a difference. You see, I don't want to do anything that causes God not to be with me. You see, if you walk in an excellent spirit, when you're walking in a sweet spirit, God will stay with you no matter what you go through. He will still elevate you because you honored his word. Now watch this. That was for free. Joseph, so finds himself in this situation. He's blessed. And all of a sudden, Potiphar had a wife. Now, in those days, when Pharaoh, when the kings, how I many you know about the story of Esther, the book of Esther? You ever read Esther? 
Now, when the kings back in those days, when they had authority and they had power, those who were, you know, they had some authority, when they selected wives, they selected them hot. Y'all know what that means, right? They, they look good. All right? Because that's the way they did things, right? You know, like, 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 like the king and, and, and Esther, I mean, he, he picked out the one that looked good. He got rid of Vesta, and then he ended up selecting Esther. Because Vesta was looking good, but she was rebellious. So he got rid of her, and, and he gets Esther, and Esther is beautiful. So, so Potiphar has a wife, and Joseph now is in the house, being blessed, working in the house. I mean, seemed like Joseph had just decided that he's not going to be bitter in life. I'm going to let my past go. My brother sold me. I don't fully know what God is doing in my life, but I know he gave me a dream. He gave me a vision. There's something, how I many you're sitting right here today, you, some of you, you don't know fully what God has for you, but you know he has something big for you. So y'all are sitting here. So I, I can look, some of you are sitting right here right now, and you know that God has something big for you. See, Brother Walter, you need to understand that. God has something big for you. Don't do anything. Don't do anything to compromise it. That's just a word. God got something big in store for you. Because I mean, no, that's what the enemy is really after, isn't he? Now watch. Joseph is in the house. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. God is blessing him. And all of a sudden, watch. Potiphar's wife. Let's look at this. We're in Joseph. You're in Genesis 39? Look at, look at this. In verse number seven, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. <laughs> now, how many know that that spirit of perversion nowadays is very bold? It's bold. How many know sexual perversion today is bold? They don't try to cover it up no more, literally. <laughs> it is bold. She comes right out. I mean, she don't even have a nice conversation. Lie with me. She cast her eyes on him because, see, she didn't understand. See, Joseph was anointed. How many know when you're anointed of God, you look good? Amen. You look good even when you don't look good. <laughs> Hallelujah. You look good even when you don't look good. When you're anointed of God, it looks good because, see, it's about the anointing. It's about your purpose. It ain't never been about you because what you look like, you didn't do that anyway. God did it. Amen. You can't take credit for nothing. So if you look good, what up? Just thank the Lord, but don't be trying to take credit for it. See, it was the anointing on his life. She cast her eyes on him. How many know that the devil sees? And he knows the more committed you are to doing what God wants you to do, he got his eyes on you. And he's going to come through Jesse. He's going to come through Sally. He's going to come through whatever means that he can to try to lure you to step outside of your destiny and your purpose. <laughs> mm, I don't want to go ahead of myself because I, I'm trying to contain myself. So she, she lays her eyes on him. And how many know the enemy lays his eyes on you too? Amen. All right? But look what Joseph says. I love this. In verse number nine, he says, there is no one greater. So she's coming to him, all right? She's running at him. He says, now, there's no one greater in the house than I. Nor has he, talking about Potiphar, kept anything from me but you. Because you are his wife. But listen what Joseph says. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? 
Mm. Did y'all catch that? Joseph had a relationship with God. He had a love affair with God. And it wasn't about, he didn't say, I can't do this thing because I might get caught. He, he didn't say, I, I, I didn't do this anything because I don't want nobody to think bad of me. I don't want to hurt my reputation. He didn't say anything about it like that. He said, I cannot do this wickedness and sin against God. No matter what I've gone through in my life, God has been good to me. God has blessed me. God has taken care of me. God has done some marvelous things in my life, and I love him, and I cannot commit this sin and sleep with you because I don't want to offend my God. He said, I can't do it. How many know the eyes of the Lord is in every place? How many know you don't get away with anything? To what you do in secret will ultimately be made manifest. See, that's what the devil don't tell you. So he'd rather you walk around in secret, making everybody else think that you're all good. Now watch. Let's look at this real quick. Uh, I got a couple of verses I want you to, to write down. Proverbs 5.21, for the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord. Watch this. And he ponders all his past. Not some, all. God watches your every step. Hebrews 4.13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. <laughs> but all things are naked. Everybody say naked. naked. And open to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. We have to give an account to God, right? You remember David, right? David sinned against Bathsheba. We alluded to that earlier. And David went through this whole thing of trying to cover up this sin with this woman that he committed adultery with. Look at me real quick. Uh, this is 2 Samuel chapter number uh, 12. Can you go there real quick? Say amen when you get there. Come on, y'all stay with me. Don't, don't go to sleep yet. I'm almost done. Stay with me. Now, it says, so David does this sin. And, and David is somewhat, perhaps David is, even thinking here that he did this and, and nobody took note of what he was doing because he was trying to cover it up. So how many know, and this, this is a warning to you, that you don't want to try to cover up some things. Right? You know what I'm talking about. The Bible says he who confess his sin and forsake them will be blessed. David goes on this thing where he tries, he has to hide his sin. And how many know it's more work to try to hide it? You know, it's easier just to live right. And more work to just do what God tell you to do to try to sit there and try to hide. David, I mean, he ended up trying to, he got the girl pregnant. I mean, I mean, it's going downhill fast. <laughs> he got, I mean, he thinking, I'm just going to have a good little time. And then what the devil tell you? Have a good time. You deserve it. I mean, you need to relieve yourself. You know, God, is, after all, God will forgive you. Look at brother so-and-so and look at sister so-and-so. Look what they did. And God is still blessing them. Isn't that what the devil say to you? So David, he sleeps with Bathsheba, and she looked good. She was hot, and he should have been. He was supposed to have been someplace else. That's a whole other sermon. I want to go there. He was supposed to be someplace else, so, but he was out of place. How many know you need to be in the right place? If you're going to avoid temptation, you need to be in the right place. Placement is very important. Amen. We can't underestimate that. So he sees his Bathsheba. He, he's thinking, I'm going to have a good time. I'm just going to have a little bit of fun time with her and send her off. But the girl get pregnant. She said, hello. She didn't have a phone back in those days, but whatever they did, you know. Uh, David, <laughs> I'm pregnant. And I'm sure he hated those words. He hated those words. So what does he do? David goes, and, and, and he tries to get Uriah, he's the king, 
Say, say, send her husband. You're right, her husband. Bring him back here, and, and we're going to try to get him to sleep with his wife so that we can say that the baby that is in there is, is, is Uriah's baby. But, but how do you know, but, 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 God, was, but God, was, God was checking the whole thing out, and God, God made it so that Uriah, Uriah came back. Uriah said, no. He said, why everybody else is fighting war? I can't go lay with my wife. But I know he was hot then. So finally, David said, you know what? Here's, here's what you do. Now, now understand something. I want, to, I want to show you how your flesh, when, they really, when you get driven to do something, how it can pull you to the point that you're almost crazy. You can lose it if you follow your flesh. David, who was up until that point, was a man I found God's own heart. I mean, he did all the right things. This doesn't even seem like it fits his character. Amen. But that flesh, he gave in to that temptation. And, and then he, he says, you know what? Put him on the front lines and kill him. So he takes, this is King David. This is the guy who wrote most of the Psalms. King David takes, says, look, put Uriah on the front line and have him killed. He came back and said, hey, he's he dead. He's dead. His wife was crying. You know, because now David's thinking, well, now we took care of that. Uh, you know, I got this thing down. I got, I got me some Bathsheba. All right? The war, you know, the, now I can go have me have my have this woman that I lusted after. I wanted she's mine now. But there was a little problem. God sends a prophet named Nathan. Everybody say prophet. prophet. God sends a prophet to him. <laughs> and look at verse number Second Samuel chapter twelve, verse number seven. We'll start at verse seven. Let's start at verse. Uh, start at verse seven for continuity's sake. Then Nathan said to David, "You are the man." So you know, David. David's getting confronted about his sin with Nathan. And thus says the Lord, God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wife into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel, Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have also given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you despise me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversary against you from your own house and I will take your wife before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and you shall lie with your wives and they shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you, look at verse 12, for you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David did it what? Secretly. But who was watching David the whole time? Now, now it also says that that it, it, when, when David had finished doing everything that he had did, right before Nathan the prophet had confronted him, it says in 2 Samuel eleven twenty seven. 27, after all that, it said, but the thing that David did displeased the Lord. What are we saying? What are we saying here? That God sees and he knows, and he's going to hold us accountable for what we do. David's family was completely destroyed. He had incest, rape. And all of that, you want to know why? You know what the root of that was? Was the sin with Bathsheba. <laughs> I mean, no, that was, pretty, that was a, a pretty expensive rendezvous, wasn't it? Amen. <laughs> you see, the devil, it, it costs you. Amen. See, that's what the devil don't tell you. I mean, let, me, let, me, let me help you. It costs you. And so Joseph understands that. He says, I'm not going to do it. But, but go back to Genesis chapter 39, and we're closing. Go back to Genesis chapter 39. We're going to wrap this up in, in, in a nice fashion. Look at this. 
So verse number, look at verse 10. So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day. How, how often did she speak to him? And you know, Joseph was good looking, right? And you know, he was, he was ripped. <laughs> the ladies know what I'm talking about. I got a snickle, you know. David was handsome in form and appearance. And I can imagine, when it says she pressed him day by day, what do you think she was saying to him? Come on, Joseph. I mean, Potiphar ain't home. I mean, Joseph, you work hard in the field, in the garden, Joseph. Come on, nobody going to know. This is just be between, come on. She pressed him day after day. And you, and you know what that spirit does today? It's a spirit of flattery. And you know, uh, you know, as men, we start getting a little bit older. Can we be honest? Because we're in church. Amen. You know, and men get older. And, and you know, and, and, and sometimes we like to, we, we wonder, do we still got it? And, and you know, and, and so we hear a compliment from a lady. <laughs> you stop looking. <laughs> you got nothing. Forget it. Watch the, those dainty meats. Oh, I just want to see, you know, I'm going through a midlife crisis. I just want to see if I still got, and how many know, and the, and the devil knows that. And she come up to you, oh, you look, and tell you, tell you exactly what you want to hear. That's why I'm wise, and vice versa, you need to compliment one another. Tell your husband he's a stud, even if his gut stretched from here to, to Gasserville Road. <laughs> tell me the stud in Jesus' name. Confess it, profess it over his life. Tell us, brother, you're a stud, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. I mean, you know why? Be, be, because because here, here's, the, here's the thing. She pressed him every day. And the enemy's going to press you every day. I mean, he's pressed some of you right now. You know what I'm talking about. You're experiencing this. I just sense that somebody's, you're experiencing somebody that's been pressing you, that's been pressing you. And, and you're even, perhaps, even contemplating it, should I? I want to warn you, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is God's word to you this morning. Don't do it. She pressed them day by day. But then look what happened. Look what happened in verse number 11. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside. Uh-oh. Now, let me say something that's going to be controversial. I already know it before I say it. Okay. Can I say this? If you are married particularly, particularly, you want to avoid being alone with the opposite sex as much as you possibly can. Now, I understand that sometimes you have to work and there are certain things that, but to the extent that you can control it, you need to, particularly when you know that your flesh is acting up. Amen. Don't spend time with Mr. Atlas. Don't spend time with Miss America when you see that. The, I mean, we need to come to a place where, look, I'm not going to, look, don't even put yourself in a position where your flesh can act crazy. Right. See, many folks fall into temptation. You know why they fall into temptation? Because they put themselves in that position. Amen. Well, you know what? I, I'm just, you know, we, you can just come to my house. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to, and then before you know it, Oh, we're just going to go to lunch and just sit down and talk together. And before you know it, you're, you're at lunch and you're talking about how bad your spouse is. And before you know it, there it is. How many of you play with matches? We said last week, you're going to get what? Burn. Burn. So we need to be people that sanctify ourselves. 
So, you know, when I talk to people, and I talk to the opposite sex, I always, I talk to them, I want, I want the door open, I want the light shining, I want everybody to see. I want, and when I talk to women, I look, I, I, it's in an open area because I want anybody to walk in at any time. Because I don't want to give the enemy, I mean, no, Joseph was accused, and we don't have time to go over it, but Joseph was accused of rape. And he was thrown in prison for something he didn't do. Joseph did everything right. And Joseph still got accused. But the Bible says the Lord, in verse 21 of that same chapter, the Lord was with Joseph because Joseph honored his God. Now, in closing, if you read Genesis chapter 45, we don't have time to read it. You remember that dream that Joseph had? All right? That dream. Now, you got to understand something about that dream. God had made a promise to Abraham. God said, in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. At that particular time, when Joseph confronts his brother, there is a famine all across the earth in that region. And so everybody would come to Egypt in order to get food so that they could survive. Now, God will go out of his way. How I many know God will keep his word? And so God had made a promise. God said, made a promise. God said, God made a promise to Abraham, and that promise includes you and I. We're here today because of that promise. And, and, so, and so the dream that Joseph had, it was about the promise. It was about purpose. It was about destiny. And, they, and, and we don't have time to read it, but look at Genesis 45. So he confronts his brothers, and his brothers are now, they're feeling guilty and bad for everything they did to him. Joseph said, no, no, you don't need to feel bad because, because God sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life because God knew it was going to be a famine and God didn't want the seed of Abraham to be destroyed in the famine. So God sent me ahead and made Joseph, and watch this, Joseph walked with God. Joseph became the second in command of all of Egypt, Amen. the prime minister. God elevated him. He went through all of that, but God elevated him. And what was the whole thing about? It was, it was a purpose that God had. I want you to understand that you got a purpose. Amen. You got a purpose. And the devil is tempting you not for, as we said last week, he's tempting you because he's at your purpose. He's at your destiny. He's not tempting you because he got nothing else to do. He sees where God is taking you. And God has taken us to some incredible places. I believe, how many of you believe that? How many believe God has taken you to some incredible places? But don't sell, don't sell yourself. Don't sell yourself for momentary pleasure. Don't do it. Don't give up your purpose and your destiny because if you do it, it's, it's, what you're doing is you're threatening everything God is doing in your life. And I wonder what would have happened had Joseph said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and just do this thing. I believe that perhaps God would have had to do it another way. Because, you know, you don't act right. God will go around you, through you. God's going to accomplish his purpose. I don't know about you, but I want to be in his purpose. I want, when I get before him, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want him to say, I want him to say, Gary, you did everything I want. Good for you. you. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I want to fulfill my purpose. So I can't play. So look at the neighbor and say, don't play with sin. Don't play with, sin. Don't play with sexual sins. Don't play with sexual Stay away from it. Because your destiny is at stake. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want nobody to look around. I want everybody to look within. Nobody, I want nobody looking at nobody, nobody moving. Complete silence other than some background music. That's fine. You've heard this word this morning. And you know in your heart, and God just revealed to you that you have given up some territory in this area. God wants you to know today that there is some grace for you. 
He said, Pastor, you know, I, I, I've, I've slipped up. I've made some bad decisions. And, you know, and I've given in to this lust. And I've gotten myself in, in, in a heap of trouble here. And, and I need God's grace right now. I want nobody looking around at nobody. Every head is bowed. Just slip your hand up as a, as a, as a, as a, as a uh, confession to God. Amen. I see that one hand. God will bless. God, if we're just acknowledging God. I see that second hand. You're saying, Pastor, I, I, you're saying, I, I've blown it. You've given in to temptation. You've given in to that lust. Is there another who was saying, I've made some bad choices, Lord. I need help right now. I need help right now. For those who raise your hand, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of unrighteousness. I'm going to purpose today to walk right, to live right. I'm going to follow your course. Purify me. Make me clean. Sanctify me. Set me apart. In the name of Jesus. And somebody else this morning, you may be here and you have not given your life to Jesus. Now this is, this is very, very important. Because everything I said to you won't really matter much unless you give your life to him. Because the destination is the same for everybody who don't confess and believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're listening here this morning, you have not given your life to Jesus you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. Not an intellectual knowledge. Not just that you know about him, but you have not surrendered your life to him. I want you to raise your hand up today and say, today I'm ready to give my life to you, Lord. I'm ready to give my life. Is there one who would say, by raising your hand, I wanted to, today I want to give my life over to him again. I see that one hand. Hallelujah. Is there another? He would say, I want, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to live right. I'm ready to live holy. Hallelujah. 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 You who raise your hand and you want to give your life to Jesus today, you want to surrender your life to him in a fresh way. You're not saved. I want you to come up to the altar and we want to pray with you. Is there one? Hallelujah. Let's come to the altar. We want to pray with you. You haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. You know who you are. Don't listen to the devil. Just follow what the Lord is saying. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One more time. Is there one who would say, I want to give my life to Jesus? The Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is moving. He says, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your hearts. Is there one? Amen. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you for this warning today. Father, we all desire to live holy and to live purified lives. I thank you, Father God, that you've given us of your word. And Father God, I pray that you would empower every person under the sound of my voice to live right. In those moments when we feel the weakest, Lord, we need strength. It is so hard today for those who are single and for those who are married when the generation, Father, is bent on doing it completely opposite the way that you want. Give us the courage to live right and give us the grace to confess when we've not followed through. Give us the grace to live right and to live in a way that will honor you and please you. We love you so much. 
And we thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Come and give God a praise. Steve. Amen, church, if I can get you to please stand, please give God some praise for the powerful message today. Again, church, just a reminder for uh, next week, uh, family and friends, please bring them out. Please search the highways and byways and find someone and bring them to church next week. Amen. All right, please stretch your hands toward God. Dearly Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to come out today, Father. We thank you so much for allowing us to wake up and be in our right state of minds and be healthy, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for speaking to us today and giving us a powerful message, Father God, on temptation. Please help strengthen us and encourage us and empower us, Father God, to stand against the fiery arrows of the devil, Lord Jesus. We ask you to please bless those that were allowed to come out today and please bless those who wanted to come but couldn't, Father God. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in your son Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Covering me like a soft summer shower, that's right.